Ding, ding, ding. Shall I start? I'll start. Hello, everyone. Hello, lovely people. I can see some of you. Live from our house. This is live. <laughs> Thanks, Kay. <laughs> so I felt like the Lord wanted to talk to us today about unbelief and, and at the same time about belief. So um, I'm going to share some things that the Lord's been teaching me and I trust it's going to encourage you. And at the end, um, we're going to break up into groups to reflect, but um, we're all, we'd also really like to go through some and do some praying. So um, Chloe's going to lead us in some prayer at the end, but you'll all be on mute so you can say what you like during the prayer, even if it's just amen. But we wanted, we really felt like it'd be good to respond um, to what we were, we were hearing from God. So I've been, I was really encouraged by Mel's talk a couple of weeks ago about the three C's, complacency, comparison, and condemnation. Nailed it. And, and then dad followed it up really well the following week. And as I was reflecting on it, I think one of the biggest, or well, the thing that really stood out from that talk was, for me, was um, uh, complacency. I think that really that really spoke to me, and I was I was thinking about it, thinking about it like, what, when do I become complacent? When when do I go quite lukewarm, and just sort of zone out? And I think one of the things is is when I have unbelief in my heart. Oh, unbelief in my mind and I know another way of talking about unbelief is an ungodly belief so you could say that all unbelief is ungodly belief but I'm going to call it unbelief tonight um so that's what I'm going to be sharing about um I look after the girls in the afternoons and they're often quite tired and a bit like Dad, we, we, they don't really want to do anything. They're kind of a bit moany. But one thing they do really like is when, just to, just to kind of settle them down and get them resting on the sofa, is if we read if we read to them. And one of their favourite, um, they love reading the Bible stories. And so we've started going through their children's Bible, which has been really wonderful to do. Um, and one story that we love is when Jesus heals Jairus's daughter and we then yeah we, we absolutely love that story but then we found out a bit later that one of Jesus' disciples Peter also raised a child from the dead and then we realized hang on didn't Elijah also rise a child from the dead because one of their favorite um people in the bible well for definitely for Eden is is Elijah and then I was like hang on didn't Elisha also do that and I was thinking that's that's a few people and so we started we found ourselves doing a bit of a role play so we took turns we thought well, let's just act this out so we took turns one of us would be the grieving parent one of us would be the dead child and then the other person would be Jesus or the person raising the child from the dead and so we all kind of took turns being each character 
and I, I and when I was the dead child and like Eden was holding my hand and said wake up child I was just like oh my gosh this is like this is like activation and um anyway we just kind of moved on and um in that evening I was sort of just in a time of worship and I felt the Holy Spirit just gently challenge me and he said do you believe that I still raise people from the dead and my honest answer was well I don't know if I really believe that you do that and it was an interesting moment of like the Holy Spirit just gently bringing some unbelief in in my heart and, and just saying do you actually think that that could happen today? And I felt it's one of those moments where you kind of feel really grateful for the Lord, just bringing something up. But at the same time, you're like, okay, we need to, we need to pray about this. And as I was just waiting on him and just thinking about it, I was, uh, um, uh, a scripture, a passage of scripture came to mind that I think really like, captures a lot of what's what's involved here in um 1 samuel 17 is a really well-known passage where there's this giant called goliath who's just this mountain of a man and he's intimidating the whole of israel's army for 40 days he would stand up and intimidate and challenge the army and the army was paralyzed with fear absolutely paralyzed with fear there was not one man that thought i could i could i could stand up against this guy they they were just they had no belief that anyone could could handle this handle this giant and um and they're just incredibly intimidated and i was thinking about it and i was thinking how many disciples um how many of jesus's disciples also struggled with unbelief um, and obviously in, in, in the, in the, in the case of like the Israelite army and King Saul, they were looking at themselves. They're probably looking at the length of their arm and the, the strength of their arm, the size of their sword and thinking, there's no way I can take on this guy. Like he's going to completely annihilate me before I get close to him. Um, the whole, the whole army was just looking at himself and, I think that is the root of all unbelief is when we take our eyes off Jesus, when we take our eyes off God and we just look at our own ability, our own um, resources and our own um, capacity. And then we realize how, how short we come. And, um, and it's just so wonderful in the story, this young boy called David marches up and, you know, he's absolutely horrified that israel you know the the possession of the lord would 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 not take on this guy who's defying the lord the lord of um heaven's armies and he kind of goes my god can take this guy on and he he knows who his god is and he he does it with god he he takes down goliath with the lord and he as he marches up he reminds himself out loud all the journeys previously where he with the lord defeated the bear defeated the lion 
and now he's about to defeat the next thing that that him and the Lord are gonna are coming up against. And what the army and Saul didn't understand is that the battle belongs to the Lord. Sometimes we get really we we really we really think it's all about us, and we just look at ourselves and go. There's no, no way that this situation can change. There's no way that I can overcome this situation because we're just looking at ourselves and we fail to realize that the battle belongs to the Lord. And this is a really important reality um, as believers that we need to grasp. And it's almost illogical, actually, that we actually, we actually need to boast in our weakness we need to celebrate the fact that we can't do it. We need to own it and say, you know what? No, I can't do it, but I know who can. And I know and I know who will bring about the victory. Paul the Apostle um, in 2 Corinthians, he said um, in, in chapter 12, verse 5, on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses and in that passage he talks about uh, the thorn in the flesh that he had and three times that he um, asked for the Lord to remove it but, but the Lord said my grace is sufficient for you for my for, for, for power is made perfect in weakness and I just think that's such a, a powerful reality that we need to we need to grasp that power is made perfect in weakness. That God isn't looking for the strong, mm. the proud, and the self-sufficient. And when Jesus came, he, he followed this up many, many times. He's not looking for those that think they're strong, that think that 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 think they're self-sufficient, but he's looking for the the ones that know they're weak because his strength can be seen in our weakness. You know, and only an empty container can be filled. And I just, I just think that's just a wonderful, almost like a paradox in the kingdom that we should really celebrate our weakness, that we should celebrate that we, that we need the Lord. And at the same time, we need to boast in the strength and the power and the compassion and the love of Jesus, that that would be our great boast, that we would, we kind of say, well, I, I can't do it, but I know that he can. And if he wants to do, do something with me, then that's great. But I know that he can, he can do all things. So yeah, I just wanted to reiterate that like we can easily make it about ourselves, but it's important that we take a um we we look from heaven's eyes on situations that we we don't choose just to see through our own eyes, but take um consider the realities of heaven, consider the reality of Jesus in every situation. And Paul in 1 Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians, um, quotes Jeremiah 9. And I just want to read that passage to you right now. There says the Lord, do not let the wise boast, 
but let those who boast boast in this that they understand and know me that i am the lord i act with uh, steadfast love justice righteousness in the earth for in these i delight says the lord and the i've um it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a that's a, a shortened version of that passage but um he he's basically saying if you're going to boast boast in him boast in my nature boast in who i am boast in my name And that's such a, an important thing to do. Unfortunately, though, we do have some ungodly beliefs. We have some belief, we have a belief system, whether conscious or unconscious, that don't line up to the reality of Jesus Christ. That don't, um, we have thoughts and we have behaviors and we have beliefs that just aren't in line with heaven. And the things that the Lord has been highlighting to me this week that i'm just going to share with you I, when i was reflecting on this talk i've been i've without realizing it i i have been doubting his steadfast love and his ability to save and um sometimes that manifests in situations where i'm with someone and i and i haven't got faith or i, I don't i don't believe that if I share the gospel with them, that it will do any good. And that's an ungodly belief. That's a complete lie. It's actually not up to me to decide what happens, but it actually is up to me about sharing who Jesus is. And, and I need to trust his ability to save. And one thing that's really helped me is, is Jade's testimony, getting to know Jade's story and realizing that kind of firsthand that he has the ability to save has been really healing for me. And just being so, um, and just to declare it, you know, in my own personal heart, in my own, my own um, private time, just to be like, God saves. And actually I have, my faith levels actually increased um, since like witnessing Jade encountering Jesus and the massive turnaround that's been in her life. And as I've been praying and considering the season that we're in, I really feel like, and I've been talking to this with dad, that we're in, we're in Luke 15. We are, this is the season that we're in. We're in the, the hour of Luke 15. In Luke 15, there's, there are three series of parables, maybe one parable in, in three they're all about the lost being found. And Jesus said, I haven't come to, to the world to judge the world, but I've come to seek and save the lost. I've just brought two verses together there, but that's, that is what he said. And I think it's so important in this season of, the, of, of my life that I believe that God saves. I need to confess, and I have confessed that I have believed that lie. And now I've heard the, the word of the Lord I'm declaring the word of the Lord and I'm owning it and I'm confessing that over my life that Jesus saves. Jesus has the power to save. And a couple more. 
I've doubted that Jesus can heal. And I've, I've doubted that. And that kind of came up when I, we were kind of doing the role play of bringing the children back from the dead. And the, the third thing that I, I felt the Lord challenged me was around relationships and how certain relational dynamics, um, just the sense of hopelessness in them. And he then brought to mind situations where he, he did move and he did change relationships. And then I was able to confess that, that ungodly belief and then, and then declare the truth that God can work through all things, including the human heart. And um, I think it's just so powerful to be able to declare that. And to, once we are aware of ungodly belief, to deal with it. And um, I've invited Chloe to lead us in um, a prayer, um, kind of a structured prayer. And we'll do that after we kind of break up into groups. Um, but I'd love us just to just to reflect. I've given you some examples of things that I've been processing. And, you know, looking at the scripture, looking at the disciples, they all struggle with unbelief on, to some degree. Obviously, there's Thomas that's known as the doubter. And, you know, but they've all, on some level, um, struggle with unbelief. And the same is true for us. There's an element even that we there are moments when we don't trust him and we don't trust the word of god um, or we ha and we have an unbelief that is that we have a belief that is not of heaven and it's good when the lord highlights it like he highlighted it for me on tuesday just to confess it to him and to ask him for the truth and ask him to give me the godly belief what the reality of heaven is and to keep confessing that and hearing powerful testimonies over about the truth. I'm going to stop talking now, but I hope that encouraged you. It really encouraged me to get to hear all that. Obviously not just now, but you know what I mean, in preparing for it. Anyway, so Question. the two questions that I thought that would help our kind of breakout groups is, first question can you think of an area in your life where you have an ungodly belief an unbelief in god so can you think of an area in your life where you have unbelief a second question and this is the more positive one can you think of a testimony where you can boast in the lord can you think of a testimony where you can boast in the lord and they go together. So once you know the unbelief, can you think of a testimony where you can boast in the Lord to bring that godly belief in? So, John, do you mind breaking us into groups?